Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio Podcasts. This podcast is focused on how Janssen is collaboratively working with patients and sites to advance DCTs from the 2022 Patients as Partners in Clinical Research Summit. For more information about the Patients as Partners in Clinical Research Summit, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit patientsaspartners.org. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Well, for patients, we've heard in all of our earlier sessions, they are really seeking out greater flexibility and convenience to make clinical trials a part of their treatment journey. They need increased access to clinical trials, which means, again, meeting them where they are, and then reducing the burden, not just on the patient, but on their whole care circle. That's inclusive of of caregivers, of spouses, of children. And same thing for the sites. We can't lose perspective on the importance of our clinical trial sites. So looking at DCTs as ways to reduce burden, to invite greater flexibility um, for the clinical trial study site staff, and allow them more time with participants and patients so they can have that relationship and foster and build that trust. Can you hear me? Um, So... I've been on this journey for five years, bringing patient voice and clinical trials to the R&D organization, and I think, like everyone says, we're agents of change. And really, you know, the evolution is really sitting down and partnering with not only sites and patients, getting their feedback, and driving change within the organization. And really, the focus is reviewing our protocols and seeing how we can not only optimize them, but also how we get individuals to start and stay in our trials. So... The effort's been broad, global. We go where the sites are to ensure that we're getting that global footprint and and what those nuances are within a given region. I work across all the disease areas at Janssen. And really also, you know, you've heard the themes of embed and, and drive accountability within our organization to change and listen to the patients. So we created a framework that we embed in our organization, and that's really the ask, listen, and act. So what do we get, um, what did we hear, and what are we going to do, and, and really note that and, um, you know, track those changes to drive impact within our um, organization. All right, so... Contrary to popular belief, there was a world before COVID. So in 2018, um, we began an oncology clinical trial that was evaluating an investigational product that required just a single dose. And so what that meant was the majority of a patient's commitment, the majority of the visit schedule was truly rooted in disease evaluations, follow-up visits, blood draws, the occasional, you know, more invasive sample. And so we took a step back and said, this is unlike anything we've done. So we can't treat this like everything we've done. So we conducted patient and site voice exercises, which, of course, highlighted some nuanced needs, which led to an early evaluation of DCT capabilities. So taking that ask, listen, and act framework, we were asking patients and sites as well, you know, what's the most important thing with a treatment like this? We know this is odd, right? Especially in the oncology space. They're used to cyclical 28-day cycles. Like, we've got to come back, you know, twice twice a month just to, to get dosed. Um, so what's most important to them? Uh, why are participants or patients missing follow-up visits? You know, it's they're not forgetting that they have a visit. You know, oncology trials, cancer is a part of, of your everyday. It's your constant 
Um, what would make participation more convenient? So in asking these questions, what we heard was there's a desire for a sense of normalcy and quality of life. We're giving uh, an investigational treatment option that happens once. So that means that their months are not tied to cyclical visits. They want to go out and, and live their life as best they can. They prefer local lab, local oncologist options. And I think we heard in some of the other sessions that physician to patient trust is paramount. And so allowing them to maybe go back to their original, their diagnosing oncologist and, and have that dialogue or have a relationship uh, remain. We also found that there was a high percent of our patients who were enrolled in the trial that were flying to the trial site to take part because it was so new. Um, and so we needed to provide them with more flexibility and convenience options. Um, and I think the, the last bucket just said what, what I told you previously, but visit reminders aren't necessary. It's, it's truly a convenience and an accessibility thing. Um, we had a patient, I, I can remember vividly, lived in Texas, site was in New York, but he had a vacation home in Hawaii. So you got your one dose, where do you wanna be? Hawaii, right? So how did we, what do we do with this information? It, it goes nowhere if you don't actually act on it. So we implemented some local lab and home healthcare visit options for the assessments as, as that was an option. And all in all, bottom uh, little yellow bar that you see on your slide here, optionality translates into flexibility and convenience for patients. And while this might alleviate some of the burdens of participation, it goes nowhere unless we get our sites to adopt the optionality to bring it to their patients that are enrolled. Okay, COVID, the elephant in, in or not in the room, right? Um, so the pandemic expedited a focus on the DCT model. So we, we've heard about it, we knew there were local lab options, we explored it you know, on a subset of trials, but all of a sudden there was this pandemic and everybody was like, wait, my site's closed, I can't go anywhere, I'm not leaving my house. And so we had to make immediate pivots. Um, those things included options like telemedicine for visits where that was, was a good fit. Uh, local options, you know, just going to a local laboratory near your house to have samples drawn. And then also direct to participant shipment of study drug, again, where the trial allowed that. So while we made these immediate pivots, right, we're putting a Band-Aid, we weren't sure what the future would hold for something like this. So how long is this going to last? Obviously longer than I think we thought. Um, Long-standing supply chain impact. What was this going to look like for our study six months down the road? Would we have downstream implications that we weren't aware of? Um, what was the impact on our sites? We're changing the way they conduct business in the cl clinical trial setting, but also in their normal everyday practice. And then what was going to happen to the willingness of patients to participate? We're asking them to oftentimes leave their treating practice, go to a site that they don't know, and now in the confines of a global pandemic, have them be treated where they're less comfortable. So we knew there was going to be room for improvement. We needed to consider some of the operational aspects of what we were doing, the long-term effects of them. We needed to find ways to decrease the site burden. A lot of times innovation means more work for the site and we need to backpedal that and take that burden off of our site staff. And then we need to bring together the different stakeholder priorities, so sponsor, site, and patient. There we go. So um, going off of what Morgan said, you know, with uh, COVID, um, it's here to stay. So we understand that um, you know, with our few trials that we had, um, we had a lot to learn. Um, you know, it springboarded um, decentralized trials, but we took a step back to, because 
you know, what we have to do is how do we scale it to other therapeutic areas, go around the globe. We know that there's different regulatory, you know, laws that we have to take into consideration. So, and, and not everyone adopted it or had, you know, positive feedback. So it's what could we learn from these experiences to do better in the future. And, you know, what we've heard, you know, with telemedicine, you know, patients like, you know, doing things in the safety and comfort of their own home and the convenience, having medication delivered and things like that. So what we did, next slide. Uh, we took a step back and really, again, going on the premise of, you know, talking to sites and patients who've been part of decentralized trials, um, you know, and with the COVID change, you know, we, we went out to sites and patients and we, you know, kind of bucketed things into six different findings. And I think the good thing is as you sit all day and listen, you'll hear consistency with the things that we're learning. And, you know, what we um, have learned from sites is, you know, doctors feel responsible for treating their patients. So giving up control and letting patients go out to have home nurses or go to Quest to get blood draw, you know, they're uncomfortable because they're giving up that control and that, you know, that feeling of responsibility is heavy. And how do we build trust with them because that's going to counteract their hesitancy to use it and how to, um, you know, get them to know who the nurses are and this, you know, the different services available. So that's a big thing that we need to focus on. And, you know, we've talked about the digital component and how, you know, you're pushing out different options to sites, but, you know, technology is a huge component. We know that they have different systems and how do you make it easy on them because technology is definitely a burden when it comes to sites. And then, you know, how do you empower and give choice? So we don't want to dictate what they have to use. We let them choose and, you know, um, be a part of the decision-making process. And, you know, talking to patients is that they don't want to give up that high-touch component of a trial. So how do you keep that as a part of it and build that personal touch with not only the, you know, the investigator, but having them come in because that's still an important part of their journey in a clinical trial. And then what we know is that, you know, it's a huge decision to join a trial, and there's a lot of hesitancy, confusion at the start going to the site, and they want that transparency. So telling them what and where and, you know, the path that they're going to take um, is important to them and, and be transparent up front. And then, again, you know, taking the side of, um, you know, from a patient is let them choose what they want and not, again, pushing the choices on them, giving them the option to pick the um, different parts of the decentralized options. So, again, what does that all mean? I think, you know, what the challenge is is that, you know, these goals based on the role that are and where you sit are different. So, you know, with, our, with ourselves as the sponsor, you know, we need, you know, efficient, the quality of the data, if there's at different points getting, you know, captured, how do we ensure that the data quality is there? How do we get, you know, diversity of ages and races as a part of it and, and getting our trials enrolled on time and finished on time and being efficient? 
And then, you know, the investigators, how do they, you know, give them the confidence and trust in giving that control for those decentralized options and then ensuring, like, the benefit of how do we help them because their staff is stretched and limited and, and help them there. And then from a participant, how do we, you know, give them the transparency of the options and the, and the quality and the care and the control over their experience in a trial. So, you know, how do we put all these tensions together and move forward? Okay, so we talked about the inherent tensions, right? There's three really key stakeholders. Sometimes their goals don't seem to be as aligned, but honestly, we're all working towards the, the same goal. We're trying to bring new and innovative treatments to the marketplace and, and help patients and meet them where they are. So we asked, we listened, but what did we do with it? So here's um, sort of our three-prong model of, of what happened when we actually acted. So building trust with sites and patients. We've implemented hybrid approaches um, of sponsor and site-initiated DCT solutions. And what that means is, you know, oncology-specific, right? I'm going to live in my little bubble. We are going to center of excellence sites that have their own telemedicine capabilities oftentimes. They have their own infrastructure built that they're more comfortable with. So why would we come in as like the big hand of pharma and say, no, no, you're going to use this solution. So allowing for that hybrid approach and, and some flexibility, even at the site level for what they're going to implement. Um, we also added more rigor to our evaluation of protocol and patient population to determine whether or not a DCT solution makes sense. It doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all for every trial because it's trendy and it's the buzzword. Um, providing better guidance and tools. So new capabilities... I mean, any, it's like making somebody try broccoli for the first time. You're not really that into it. It smells kind of funny, so you, you really have to adapt, right? So new capability introductions for patients and for sites. Um, we needed to provide them with the guidelines and the tools so that they could be successful in rolling, rolling this out. You know, we need the boots on the ground to make something successful. So we also enhanced our training for our local teams. So those are the single point of contacts, the ones that are going into the clinics now and having those conversations directly with sites, we needed to empower them to know enough about the solutions that they could speak to them and feel comfortable with it and in turn make our other key stakeholders comfortable. And then adding additional support and help, so providing off-site support for patients and for sites um, throughout different methods of communication, wherever they were more comfortable. Is that email? Is it, you know, SMS text messaging? Is it a phone call? How can we better empower um, the deployment of these solutions? And then also providing enhanced global reaching technical support. You know, technology is, it's great when it works. And does it always work? No. So we need to have somebody that you can call or, or message and say, hey, you know, I'm getting this error message um, and allow really the technology to, to grow and, and mature um, as we see this through. So feedback and action. These are just some, some prongs of our DCT capabilities with home health care. Um, just prioritizing patient comfort within this service. So that means, you know, maybe a patient has a, a, a preference to one of the home health care providers that they've interacted with, allowing them to communicate that preference and be comfortable with it. Or combining a home health care option with a telemedicine visit. So the PI is in the room with them as well. Digital health. There's a lot of technology 
If it's not connected, it's just a lot of technology. So connecting those technologies to minimize the burden on the end user. And then again, offering that technical support. For direct-to-participant product shipment, starting with site education, um, we need to address those questions about, you know, what, what oversight is, is here and present when meds are just being shipped out to a patient's home? Um, for alternative lab samples and, and collection practices, we need to maximize convenience again through choice, um, using existing technologies to allow patients to go to the option that's most convenient for them. And then providing transparency on where that sample is going and when it's going somewhere. It just seems like a black hole. Um, and then virtual research concierge. So maximizing that engagement, using a central support role to personally connect with a patient and walk them through a virtual trial option, a hybrid trial, or just one of the DCT capabilities that might be implemented. So I think overarching our message is building trust with sites is key across all capabilities because sites are the vehicle with which we're delivering these convenience and accessibility options to our patients um, so that they can receive the benefits of decentralized trials. Um, and then also just ensuring that the sites understand where we're coming from when we bring a new methodology to them. It's not because we thought it up or we met them at a conference. We actually heard from patients that this is their preference, and so we all need to get together and get behind these efforts. So in closing, DCTs, super important. Um, we're really passionate about where these are taking us in the industry, um, but most passionate about utilizing the patient perspective and the human experience to drive our solutions and methodologies forward. So with that, you have one minute to grill us. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the Patients as Partners Summit, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit patientsaspartners.org. Thank you.